Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. If that landing page is good, if the, the copy is good, the experience is good, then your ads will work. Then you can blow up a business, you can scale a business with good marketing if the branding is there and if the product is where it should be. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of Perpetual Traffic. And on today's episode, we've got a good one for you. We've got uh, one of the foremost authorities, one of the biggest experts in uh, Google. Google advertising, YouTube ads, shopping, lots of different stuff we're going to be hitting on today. Pretty pumped about this one. Today's guest is Brett Curry. Brett Curry is the CEO of OMG Commerce, and he's the host of the e-commerce evolution podcast. He's one of the fastest growing Google premier partners, runs traffic for Boom by Cindy Joseph. You know, Ezra Firestone, you've heard him talk about that. It's one of his partner companies. Uh, He manages all their AdWords and a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. He wrote the ultimate guide to Google shopping for Shopify for their blog. Spoke at digital marketer events, several other events. He's got a growing agency team of 18 people and growing and just an all around good dude. You know, we officially met earlier last year and uh, I'm stoked. Ralph put this one together and uh, how are you guys doing? What's up, fellas? Glad to have you here, man. It's about time we talk about Google. I'm stoked. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> no. Psyched to have you here and bringing it. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I'm ready. First of all, how tall are you, Brett? I'm 6'3", actually. 6'3", yeah. I was going to say, he towers over Ralph and I pretty good. Yeah, he's like three heads taller than me. So you must have played hoops back in high school. Play little hoops, play little hoops, you know, average, but I I still love the game. So did I, but I actually didn't have hops, so I had to play good defense. Anyways, I I think we're going to get right into it because... You've got a lot of experience. You've been doing this for a long time. You're doing this for some some really cool brands. And 
you guys are doing a lot of different tests and stuff like that. But I think I've got an overall kind of broad question for you. So when you're sitting here, especially if you listen to our podcast, we spend the majority of our time really focusing on social media advertising, top of funnel stuff, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and how can we go out and make people aware of a new opportunity or or a problem maybe they didn't know that was a really big problem and then, you know, introduce them to a product along the way. And a lot of times we know that, you know, if you meet somebody at a party, odds are they're probably not going to buy your product right after they meet you. And so when you see people running paid traffic, Facebook ads and and Instagram ads and all of these other mediums or, or anything, Google for that matter, I mean, where do you see some of the biggest mistakes out there, like easy, low-hanging fruit stuff that you're like cringing, like, oh, I wish that they, they just knew this or they could just bolt this on. I think from a foundational perspective, it goes back to marketers not thinking about how people shop, right? And then, and then because they don't think about that, then they're not executing in the right way. So what I mean by that is, you know, what, what happens if somebody sees a cool new product on Facebook? So I, I see this new pair of running shoes on Facebook and I'm a runner and I'm geeking out about it. And so maybe I read about it, maybe I click, but I don't buy it because for whatever reason, I'm not ready to buy or I'm busy. You know, I'm at a basketball game, just killing time. So then what am I going to do next? Well, I, I will likely be back on Facebook soon. And so you can remarket to me. But, but also if, I, if I've got a real interest, like if something about that really sparked a fire in me and I'm like, hey, I want to know more. I want to shop a little in a little greater detail. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to type in either that brand or, and we've seen this too, we see this with Boom all the time, where somebody sees like a Boom video ad either on YouTube or on Facebook and they, they like it, but then they don't remember Cindy Joseph's name or they don't remember Boom. And so they're, they're searching for some kind of keyword related to it. So then it's like, okay, how do we leverage Google as a remarketing vehicle? So think about it, even if you just use it as a bottom of funnel vehicle, you got to do that first. And, and so many people are missing that. So many people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on Facebook without at least the you know Google remarketing in place. And so we've kind of got these, these four pillars of bottom of funnel for Google that I can, I can walk through if you'd like. But I think that's that's the biggest mistake is people just don't think about, you know, how are people shopping? Uh, you know, do I have good coverage on Google for that time when somebody doesn't buy, but then they're coming to look for me or look for something like what I have later? Yeah, and it's just a natural other platform. And I think like we were talking about before we started, you know, recording today, I mean, between Google and Facebook, they account for what was the stat that you said? 90 yeah. some odd percent of all the growth in digital? 95% of the ad spend growth is either going to Google or Facebook. So, I mean, as people are, are investing more in digital, it's going to one of those two platforms, which kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, Google search dominates the search world. Google display network is huge. I think it reaches like 80 some percent of, of online users. And then, of course, your listeners are well uh, aware of uh, the monster that is Facebook. So you put those two together. I mean, that's where most of your digital spend should go. Just before we get into your four pillars, which is really, really important for everybody who listens to this show each week and it, how it relates back to your Facebook ads, if you've been doing Facebook ads and how what Brett's going to teach you, it's going to make your Facebook ads even more powerful. Take a step back just and pretend for a second that I and Keith don't really know exactly all the properties that Google owns and e-commerce or non-e-commerce, where they sort of fit into the overall hierarchy. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when most people hear Google, they think search immediately, and that, that's probably where it stops for some. So, I, you know, Google is my search engine. That's where I go to ask questions and find out how old this movie star is or the score to last night's game or whatever. And so search, obviously, that's kind of foundational. Search can kind of, you know, we talk about shopping funnels a lot. I know you guys do as well, but, you know, search can kind of be at different stages of the funnel. So kind of the awareness phase where I'm just looking to research this category or Maybe it's in the, the evaluation stage where I'm really kind of pitting products against one another or, or decision phase uh, where I'm just looking to buy. So search, search is foundational. And so a close cousin to that, or it's actually part of search is, is Google shopping or product listing ads. That's if I'm you know at Google and I'm looking for, uh, we've got a client that sells diesel truck performance parts. So I'm looking for diesel truck parts and I see the product listing ads or the image title and price ads. That's Google shopping. That's a huge part of what we do as an agency, and it's a big part of Google's revenue as well. But then the areas that people probably don't think about as much would be, uh, first off, the Google Display Network, which is really just like a collection of sites. And like I mentioned, I think it, I think it covers 80-some percent of the web. It's, it's pretty huge. Collection of sites. So you're talking news sites, sports sites, bloggers, whatever, that participate in the AdSense network. So these webmasters and site owners, they allow Google to place ads on their site. They do a revenue share with Google. So then that that creates some pretty cool opportunities for us marketers. We can run different remarketing campaigns through the Google Display Network. So we're, we're running display ads basically uh, on the Google Display Network. And so that is a huge opportunity that, that a lot of people miss. And there are some elements of that that are related to Facebook, which we can get into as we go. Uh, but then kind of the fourth area that that I think a lot of people ignore, but it's maybe getting a little more attention now, more people talking about it, is YouTube. And YouTube is owned by Google. YouTube is, you know, for those that don't know, it's the second largest search engine. So even though it's a video sharing site and not a search engine, there are more searches that take place on YouTube than that take place on on Bing or Yahoo. Also, it's just got some amazing stats, like average session duration of 40 minutes. You know, so when someone gets on YouTube to research how-to stuff or watch cat videos or waste time, whatever they're doing, uh, average session duration of 40 minutes, uh, and it's got over a billion users. So so YouTube is huge. It's a big it, deal. It's That's a not big like deal. 40 minutes per day on average like Facebook. That's 40 minutes per session. 40 minutes per <laughs> session. It's pretty phenomenal. I saw a stat yeah. that uh, 18 to 49-year-olds watch more YouTube in primetime than the top 10 uh, network TV shows combined. So especially for that, you know, millennial uh, age group or younger, you know, 20s and 30s, even a lot of them are spending time on YouTube. Yeah. Whether it's teenagers or kid, you know, exactly. Keith's kid's age, which is uh, Kyler's what? He's 10? Nine, 10, Nine. 10 in a few weeks. It's unbelievable. Like that's all they want to watch now. You know, unless he steals Keith's credit card and starts buying stuff, that's probably not the guy you necessarily want to target. But the point is, is that yeah. it's it it is a n- enormous network. I think people probably underestimate how popular it actually is. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I think it's only going to continue just because of what you said. Like Keith, Keith's son's on there. I can't I can't keep my kids, my my ten year old on up. They're always on YouTube researching, you know, uh, life hacks or or how to play the piano or how to do this to my hair or you know all, all kinds of crazy stuff. They go to YouTube to to find that stuff out. 
Well, why don't we talk just a little bit about like the ads themselves on each one of those networks? Maybe you could just give us sort of a high level view of it. I mean, I think a lot of people probably don't realize that the Google Display Network unto itself is something that covers 80% of the web, and that is a Google property, and obviously the the breadth of YouTube. So maybe just sort of backtrack through like each one of those networks and what the ads actually look like, what their sure. units are, and that kind of thing, just as a base yeah. level. Yeah, absolutely. So, so on the search side, you know, the the foundational Google product is AdWords. Those are the text ads. Uh, usually, they're in the top four positions or so. So, if you're looking for, you've got a client that sells vitamins, so you know, chewable vitamins. Uh, usually, the top four positions that are text based, those are ads. They'll say ad right next to it, and so that is done on a CPC model, so a cost per click model. You get to pick your keywords. So you're you're telling Google, I want to I want to show I want my ads to show for these particular keywords. You can also now layer in audience targeting. So you can say, not only do I want to target these keywords, but I want to target these people, these ages, demos, you know, other characteristics that that you can choose from, which is kind of cool. So that's a, a CPC model. Google Shopping is similar. Those are the the product listing ads. So it's the image of the product, title and price. Sometimes reviews are right there. Really enticing. If you think about it. If you're shopping for something, say minimalist running shoes, work with uh, Zero Shoes, uh, Shark Tank participant, awesome client. Uh, so if I'm looking for minimalist running shoes, you know, I see the, it's usually a, a group of four or eight or some uh, some number in there of these minimalist running shoes, and I see price, and I see reviews, and I see a picture. That's pretty compelling. And so that's that's Google Shopping. That is also a CPC model. That you don't quite get to pick your keywords like you do on search. This is more, this kind of has some SEO components to it. It's more about uh, a product feed that you send to Google and you got to kind of optimize that so Google tells what you're relevant for and then they pick your keywords. You can add negatives, but but Google ultimately picks them. And so that's a CPC model as well. So you're just paying when someone clicks. And then with Google Display Network, all display ads, but they can be dynamic you can either use your designer to upload ads or there's you know Google's got an ad builder that you can use which is actually pretty cool and so you can you can build some dynamic ads and so those are display ads that show up on on desktop on mobile and again it's on the GDN Google Display Network which is a collection of sports sites news sites bloggers things like that and and so you know that can be powerful i think a lot of people have negative connotations with display ads because they just think old school. They think old school where you just put a banner up, show it to everybody and just hope, you know, for the best that, that it works. But hopefully, you know, if, if you've experienced some of the awesome targeting that you guys talk about on Facebook, you you see, hey, the the right message to the right person at the right time is powerful. And so you can you can do that now on, on the Google Display Networks through some of their targeting options. And and that uh, is basically it's basically a CPC model as well, cost per click. Uh, but the way Google calculates that, that they actually look at a, a CPM. So actually, the way that's calculated is, is somewhat similar to Facebook. You can set it up where you're just paying a certain amount per click. You tell Google, I'm willing to pay a dollar per click, $2 per click, whatever. And then YouTube, there's a few ways to advertise on YouTube. You can put display ads on YouTube. So they are part of the Google Display Network as well. But what we love on YouTube is the, the pre-roll ads. So let's take, let's take my daughter Molly, for example. She watches life hack videos all the time and she's always trying to do crazy experiments in the kitchen which is uh, part awesome and part scary but you know so she's getting ready to watch a life hack video and just before that video comes on you get the pre-roll that skippable ad that pops up and you got the little skip button in the lower right hand corner that, that comes up after five seconds and so the beauty of that ad unit is that you only pay if someone actually engages with the video 
or if they click through to your site. So uh, they have to, a user has to watch either 30 seconds of the video or the whole video if it's less than 30 seconds, or they have to click through to your site or you don't pay. And it's actually it's actually like a touch less than that. It's like 29.5 seconds or something, but, but close enough. Um, so they have to engage with it uh, or you don't pay. And so with YouTube, you're actually paying a CPV or a cost per view and uh, can be super affordable. So I mean, we're seeing- So powerful. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're seeing. It depends on how you're doing your targeting, um, and uh, you know, the more narrow your targeting, the more you have to bid usually. But you know, we're we're sometimes getting views for a penny, a penny of view, two pennies of view, three pennies of view. Uh, sometimes more if you're doing really really narrow targeting. But uh, but yeah, YouTube that that's one of the Google Shopping is still like the thing that I do have done the most. But but YouTube is maybe what I'm geeking out on the most right now. And on YouTube, there's actually Google Shopping as well in the upper right hand corner which I, I don't think I actually realized that, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. So that's called uh, Shoppable TrueView or, or, or TrueView for shopping. So to run that type of ad, you do have to have a product feed. So the product feed that kind of powers your Google Shopping ads, you do have to have that. So you have to have Google Merchant Center set up. But then once you do, you can you know, run your pre-roll ad. So let's say that you know, I'm boomed by Cindy Joseph and I want to remarket to all my visitors that don't they don't purchase. So I'm going to run a pre-roll ad with Cindy talking about how amazing the products are. And then in the upper right, if it's on desktop or just below it, if it's on mobile, I'm going to have my PLAs right there. I have my product listing ads right there by the video. So it's going to show picture, price, reviews, if i got reviews that are approved. And then people click right through and, and shop. And so that's a phenomenal remarketing ad unit. The shoppable TrueView can also work for top of funnel. Uh, we've done that for you know cell phone accessories and other things like that. Uh, just encourages shopping, you know. So if I'm if I'm watching that pre roll video, something in there kind of strikes me as as cool, then I can see you know products with with their price and, and stuff right there by it. So it's pretty cool. You can actually pick the the exact products you want to run next to certain videos, or you can let Google pick for you. But yeah, that's uh, shoppable TrueView is a really powerful ad unit. Okay, so um, so you had referred to the four pillars before. What exactly are your four pillars? Yeah, so this is where I recommend everybody start with with Google. And I think a lot of times what happens, you know, there's this group of people that they're they're killing it on Facebook, and they say, okay, I want to do the same thing on YouTube. I want to do the same thing on GDN. So blow up my business on those two channels. And and while we'd love to do that, you kind of got to build the bottom of the funnel first, right? And I think this applies in so many areas. But if you get the bottom of the funnel right then you can stack and scale and build upon that. And so we talk about the four pillars of, of bottom of funnel for Google, and it really comes down to these four things. So the first one is, is branded search campaigns. So this is when someone's typing in your brand name. So I'm typing in Zero Shoes, or I'm typing in Boom by Cindy Joseph. And so you're running a branded ad right there. Now, I won't belabor this, but there's a, there's a couple of really powerful reasons why you'd want to do that. Uh, one, it, it does keep your competition at bay. Uh, if you are bidding on your own name, it's going to be really hard for someone else to do that. Or if they do, they'll show up below you. It also just allows you to control the search engine results page. So go search your name or search your competitor's name in Google and see how the the SERP, the search engine results page, looks. When you run a branded ad, you can really control that. So you can add site links. You control the copy. You can add different ad extensions to really beef that up. And so I just like to control that real estate. I like to control any anytime my brand is mentioned, I want to control that experience. And so that's that's a good reason to do it. But then also, and this can get a little bit technical, a little bit nerdy, so I'll just I'll talk high level. 
But with a branded search campaign, it improves your tracking. So if you think about it, very few people click on one ad and then buy right away, right? So I see your new widget on Facebook. I click and I buy right there. Never heard of you before. Never seen you before. I buy right away. Uh, That doesn't happen all that often. Usually there's going to be multiple visits to purchase. When you have a branded search campaign, you can just measure a little bit differently. You can kind of see how that brand campaign is lifted over time from other campaigns and you can kind of layer in audiences and other tracking and things like that. So another reason we use it is because you can you can track better, which is kind of cool. The other thing that we would launch is a, a bottom of funnel shopping campaign. So this is where you'd look at, hey, I want to run my Google shopping ads, my product listing ads to everybody that's been to my site. So let's let's use Boom by Cindy Joseph as an an example. So they sell skin creams, moisturizers, things like that, these Boom sticks. And they really target people, uh, women, uh, age 45 plus, right? So if I'm a a millennial female, I'm not going to be buying Boom for the most part. So, you know, it it wouldn't make sense for us to try to bid on and try to go after keywords like just skin moisturizer, skin cream, that's just too broad, right? There's going to be half the audience or more won't buy Boom because it's targeting older women. But if someone has seen us on Facebook and they've been to our site and then they didn't check out, then absolutely, I want them to see my Google Shopping ad. So we we layer in, for them, we built an RLSA only campaign, which stands for Remarketing List for Search Ad Campaign. So basically what that is, is it's Google Shopping campaign that only reaches your remarketing list. And so then we just go wild. Like we bid super high. We say, hey, if someone's been to our site, seen our videos, interacted with us, then I don't care what they search for. They search for skin cream or, or skin moisturizer or something as broad as that. We want to show up for it. And so that campaign has done phenomenally well. And it's just one of those things where I think we forget that people may watch our videos on Facebook, may even visit our site. And be kind of blown away, but then totally forget, like totally forget the name, totally forget the, you know, it was the, it was the gray haired model, but I don't know her name, you know? And so yeah. these, these kind of campaigns help kind of clean that up and get them, get them back. And internally you caught an RLSC, so remarketing list for search campaign? Is that what you- uh, RLSA, yeah. So remarketing list for search ads. Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of the technical term. That's Google's term. We, we try to make things ultra nerdy, which uh, I guess works, works for the industry. So pillar three is display remarketing, you know, running remarketing ads and you can run uh, dynamic remarketing ads. So this is like your DPAs in Facebook, you know, your dynamic product ads in Facebook. So you can do the same thing with GDN where, you know, whatever product someone clicks on on your site, those are the products they see in in the ads. Or, you know, if you're not e-commerce, then what's your offer? What's your hook to get someone back? So display remarketing is the third pillar and then fourth pillar is YouTube remarketing. And and that's where you can uh, either run those pre-roll videos like we talked about to your remarketing audience. And then you can either have like a companion banner that that runs with it. So maybe it's, you know, hey, you know, download our free guide or, or here are, you know, five makeup tips for older women or, you know, five ways to lose weight, whatever. So that's your companion banner. Or it can be the the PLAs, like like Ralph mentioned before, so you can run the the shoppable true view there for for remarketing. And you know, YouTube's also really powerful the way you can segment your remarketing lists, you know, to cart abandoners or people who get to a certain step in your you know your funnel or people that join your email list or whatever. You can you can target based on all those things. So so those are the four pillars: branded search, bottom of funnel shopping, display remarketing, and, and YouTube remarketing. And if somebody wanted to get even more ninja from there like you know what would be the next step would it be back to just regular pay-per-click you know search advertising would that be sort of after you do these four pillars 
Yeah, yeah. So then a couple things you can do. So so I'll talk about one of my favorite campaigns. Actually, I think I, I learned this from Ezra, uh, mm-hmm. but we we do this on YouTube all the time now. You can run a, a bot X not Y campaign. So this would this would apply for e-commerce, but it could really apply to, to anything. So you take a, a list of people, and you can build this audience in in Google Analytics. But you say, hey, I want to find a list of people that have bought Boom Silk, which is one of their most popular products but that has not purchased Boom Cotton, another one of their most popular products. And so you, you can build that list in analytics. And then you target those people on YouTube by saying, hey, have you thought about Boom Cotton? You know, And so then Cindy's talking about all the, the benefits of Boom Cotton. And then, hey, you've got either a companion banner or the PLAs right there to point someone to, to go buy Boom Cotton. So that's super powerful. The other thing that, that we would look at kind of next, and, and, and again, this will, I think, totally make sense to the Facebook audience, is we look for similar audiences, right? So this is Google's version. Google's not as good at, at Facebook at this, or just not. Not yet. I think they'll get better. But just like lookalike audiences in Facebook, as you create audiences in, in Google Analytics or as you upload your buyer list, your customer list, then Google will build a similar audience based on that. So they'll look at search behavior. They'll look at some other data points. And they'll build a similar audience for you. So one of the things we do is we look at, okay, if we've got bottom of funnel working, let's layer in these similar audiences. And then if we've got a, if we know these people are similar to our buyers, now we'll open up the keywords a little bit more. Or we'll open up our bids a little bit more on Google Shopping where, hey, if I know someone looks like my buyer, then I'll, I'll bid pretty high on the keyword you know, minimalist running shoe, as an example, because I know that I'm targeting someone that looks like my buyer. So those are a few of the things that I, w- I would take next and kind of go higher in the funnel. And so, you, you know, the other thing to, to look at is we got branded search. What's more of like a category search? So what's a, what, what are some keywords that are that are more category related? So I kind of I said minimalist running shoes. That that kind of be a category running shoe. It's more detailed than just running shoe. Shows that I'm kind of interested in this specific area. So I'd start targeting that as well, um, and then and then layering in audiences. So it's really just a matter, I think, of starting at the bottom of the funnel and then building up and and kind of going mid funnel and and beyond. And so you know, usually we'll set up separate campaigns for that. So it'll be you know we'll either label them mid funnel, bottom of funnel, whatever, or branded. You know, a few ways to do that. But search shopping both work well for bottom, mid, and upper funnel. For YouTube, YouTube is kind of one of those things that's great at bottom of funnel or top of funnel. I mentioned earlier it's it's like the number two search engine. So one of the things we've done a lot with on YouTube is keyword targeting, right? So uh, one thing you might not think about, you guys might not do this, I don't really do this, but but a lot of people do, is they'll go to YouTube for product reviews. So I'll go to YouTube and type in you know iPhone case review or or uh, I consider the new Pixel phone. A while back, I ended up with the iPhone 10, but. Uh, you know, pixel review, whatever. Uh, you can target your pre-roll based on the keywords someone's typing in at YouTube. So that's pretty powerful as well. And this is fairly, a year and a half or so maybe? Yeah, it's not, yeah, I don't fairly know the new. exact time frame. That's probably about right, yeah. Keith. It hasn't been around that long. And and so and it's, it's just getting deal, better. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You used to not be able to take any search history as you're targeting with a pre-roll video ad in YouTube. And now right, you can, right. which is yep. kind of a game changer. And and what's coming up soon, and this is still kind of in, uh, and I don't think it's been fully released, but uh, I hear rumor that, you know, right now you can target based on what people are searching for in YouTube. There will come a day when I believe you'll be able to take your Google search keywords and then target on 
YouTube? Because for me, I search much differently on YouTube than I do on Google. So if it's Google, it's very, I'm doing something, it's product focused, whatever. If I'm on YouTube, it's usually like a music video or something. But soon I hear we'll be able to target based on our Google search activity, target based on those keywords on YouTube, which will be pretty awesome. One of the things you had talked about, which I definitely want to ask you about, is you had talked about some of the ways in which you bid, which we have talked about here on the podcast uh, quite a bit. And we actually found out that the way that we had always bid on Facebook was actually the way that Facebook wants us to bid. But I remember way back when, this is 10 plus 12 years ago, maybe, starting in Google AdWords, it was all about automated versus manual bidding because it was manual bidding at that point in time. So would to get your ads actually shown how much has to do with bidding at this point? Or is it more, you know, quality score? Or what, like, how do you actually get your ads shown on the different networks? Is it universal, the same on all? Is it different? Do you have to do different bidding strategies as well? Maybe shed a little bit of light on that. Really what's what's worked on Google for so long is shifting a little bit. You know, we used to be all manual bid. Just all, and we, we used formulas and we used different things to kind of calculate our bid, but... Some of the automated bidding is actually really taking off and really improving, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but you mentioned quality score, and so I'm, I'm really glad you did, actually. This is a huge component. It's not just about how much you bid. It's also about your quality score. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why Google was so successful in the beginning and why they continue to be successful. So quality score is really a way for Google to reward advertisers for creating great ads. Uh, and to incentivize them to create ads that people want to click. Because if if ads are served that are relevant, that people want to click on, then everybody's happy. People use Google more, they click on ads more, which fills Google's coffers, which we were just talking about, all the insane amount of money uh, that Google is is still making in their earnings report, which is mind-blowing. But so, so Google makes more money than if you click on ads, and then, hey, you get relevant traffic to your site, the advertiser wins as well. So really quickly... Quality score is built on three things. It's built on your ad relevance. So how relevant does Google feel like your ad is, your ad copy is to the keyword someone's searching for, right? So the search term they're typing in. What is the landing page experience like? So what's the page you're sending people to? How relevant is it? Because Google knows that that's part of the experience too. If, if, if it's a great ad, but send someone to a, a cruddy landing page that doesn't answer the searcher's question, then, then they're going to be coming back and they're going to be, the user's going to be frustrated with Google at that point. So landing page is part of quality score. And then the third uh, component is, is click-through rate or your expected click-through rate. The real one is, is your click-through rate, right? That's the ultimate. Now, in the beginning, if Google doesn't know your click-through rate, then it's ad relevance. But if they do know your click-through rate, then click-through rate wins, right? And that, that's, if you think about it, that, that's how Google makes money. So if they click on your, you know, if people, more people click on your ad, uh, then that's good for Google. So if you've got a good click-through rate, so the percentage of people that see your ad that click on it, if that's high, Google loves you for it. And so basically where you show up on the page, where your ad shows up on the page, and this relates to search, so this relates to text ads. It also relates to Google Shopping. Where you show up is is your ad rank, and that's a calculation of quality score times your max CPC, so your max bid. And so quality score is on a, on a 1 to 10 scale. So if I've got a quality score of an 8 or 9, and Keith's ad has a quality score of a 6, I could pay less and outrank Keith's ad. So that that really is a huge part of this and, and why it makes sense to 
to think about uh, keywords and, and, and ad groups and how you put things together and your message and, and all of that because it's going to improve your results and it's going to lower your CPCs and help you show up more. It, well, it's interesting how things have changed now. And I, I'm curious if you, I don't know if you have anything on this because it's now it's, it's almost simpler because remember when it was mostly desktop people in the right column, and I'm referring to search, but you know, in the right column, you'd have four or five, you know, AdWords search results. And so it was like all about manual bidding and figuring out how you could find the sweet spot. So you might bid a little bit less. So you, you might find that, no, you're not on the top spot or the second spot above everything, but you're on the right side, you know, spot one, two, or three. And so it's always, it's like a math game, right? Trying to figure out, is my price low enough to justify the less volume? And then usually the sweet spot was somewhere over there usually, but now that those are removed, it's, it's interesting because you just have so much less real estate. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that right rail went away. Now you got, you know, up to four ads at the top, some ads at the bottom. And, and so, yeah, what you're referring to, uh, Keith, you know, you, you could look at like a position report. So what, what position am I most profitable in and things like that? Nowadays, it's different because in mobile, it, it doesn't matter that that's not there. Number one is just those top results. It just takes up so much more of the real estate on your mobile device now. Yeah. The paid results, people don't realize that, that are just consumers. And I think people are, are less resistant to ads in, yes. in search ads on mobile. They usually just click whatever's first, right? Yep. Like first, yep. second, third, and usually like the first four ads. So you kind of need yep. to have a paid ad there. You're not going to get any, any mobile traffic. Which is which is interesting, and so uh, kind of going back to the the bid question though, and what you're talking about, Ralph, is you know what, what we used to do, and this is still a formula that works, so it still is valid. But we would look at okay, what's what's our conversion rate, right? So our conversion rate is is a two percent, let's say. So I know that for every 100 visitors I get to my site, I'll get two conversions. Okay, now what's the value of those conversions? Let's just say for for ease of math, you know, it's it's a uh, hundred dollars, right? So. For every 100 visitors, I'm going to make two conversions at $100 each or $200. So basically then you just do some simple math and you say, okay, then I could pay up to $2 per visitor, right? Because two times 100 is $200. I can pay up to $2 per visitor and I would break even on, on that scenario. So I would, I would break even on my ad spend because I paid $200 to get 100 visitors. I got two conversions, made 200 bucks, right? So, so we, we kind of use that formula to, to calculate what is my max CPC. We'd often come in a little below that just to kind of test and see you know, if, if we could come in below it. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, still do that some on Google Shopping. But, but what we're seeing now is some of Google's automated bidding is pretty phenomenal. So you can't turn it on right in the beginning. You have to kind of run your campaigns for a while. They have to collect data for a little while. But once you have some conversions, then Google's got one one bidding, one smart bidding option called target return on ad spend. And that's where you tell Google, hey, I want to I want a four X or I want a four return on ad spend. And then Google will bid to get you there. This would be for an e-commerce company. Google will just manage the bids for you and bid to get you that return on ad spend. And we've seen in most cases, Google can get there. Like they can get to that return on ad spend. There are a few variables and, you know, you got to have a good feed and some other things that if if they're off, then then you're going to be kind of limited. But what's crazy about that is... Google is is bidding, they're changing the bid at auction. So meaning if I search for a particular keyword, you know, if I'm searching for vitamins and then Keith searches for vitamins and then Ralph searches for vitamins, 
Google's making a bid adjustment for each one of us if Google's using smart bidding. And they're maybe looking at our history. They're looking on what that what device we're on and then do we buy when we're on that device and what our connection speed is. All these crazy things that uh, there's a lot of it that we as marketers can't see. Like we can't you know create bid adjustments in, in Google based on those things, but Google can see them. And so, so this smart bidding, it's working in some areas. We're using it more and more. I'd say we're probably using it for every client we're using smart bidding, but not every campaign. It's still a limited number of campaigns we're using smart bidding, but it's just getting better. And, and that's something that, that I think is going to continue to improve. And before too long, you know, the machine is going to bid way better than, than we ever could. So smart bidding, just to clarify, is, is based upon return on ad spend or whatever it is that you type in or whatever your goal potentially is. And automated bidding is just the regular bidding after you do some manual bidding to start. And, and the target return ad spend is just one of the smart bidding options. Got so it. you can also do target CPA. So if, you know, if you're a CPA-based company, then you can do target CPA. Uh, we've not used that as much, but it's, I mean, it's, the same, it's the same deal as target return ad spend, just different, slightly different calculation. Uh, you can do also what's called enhanced CPCs, and that's where you set your cost per click. You set your max cost per click. But then Google will, again, bid up or down a little bit based on how likely they think someone is to convert. And so the difference there is you've got a little more input. You're kind of saying, yeah, this is where I'd like to be with my bid. Google's going to move that up or down. Whereas target return on ad spend or target CPA, you're just saying, Google, do it all for me. right? Just figure it out. Right? Just, just give me this return and, and I'm happy. And how long does it take the machine typically to figure this stuff out? Or is that sort of a loaded question? Or it's uh, a depends question? Yeah, no, it, there, there's some kind of defined parameters. So, so Google will say, you know, you need to have at least 15 conversions in a 30-day window before, before you know, smart bidding can really work for you. Uh, we found it's even better if you've got like 50 conversions in the last 30 days, then, then smart bidding just has more to work with. Uh, then once you kind of flip the switch and go with smart bidding, it takes about 14 days for the machine to kind of get up to speed and, and really learn. So you'll, you'll kind of see this little note beside your campaign will say learning, you know, the machine is learning. And that, that usually lasts for about 14 days. So we've seen this where, you know, we've got a campaign that's, that's kind of rocking along and, and we want to see if smart bidding will take it to the next level. Often for the first 14 days, it's going to be a little bit uh, shaky, uh, like maybe up, maybe down, kind of the machines experimenting. And then usually by the end of those 14 days, it's, it's rocking along at that point. It's interesting because these are, it just proves we talk about this a lot, like how a lot of these are just quote unquote recommendations because people want these rules of thumb. You know, Facebook suggests having at least 50 conversions in each ad set that you're trying to optimize within a, any given seven day period, which we, we recommend, we let people know that it doesn't have to be at least 50. A lot of cases, if you're around 30 per week, then things don't change much up to from 30 to 50. And it, so it is kind of interesting because Google recommends having at least 15, yep. 15. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For a minimum for a month. Yep. And so big, big difference there, but they're saying 14 days, which makes sense. Cause you see a lot of Facebook campaigns where people, they make decisions too quickly. But usually people are kind of thinking within seven days, then it's going to kind of hit its mark. But that's that's really interesting. Um, have you seen you know much fluctuation from kind of seven to 14? I'm sure that's a tough thing to really truly analyze site-wide, but you know, even if it's a feel thing, just curious. Yeah, and it's a little bit different to, you know, comparing Google and, and Facebook. You know, with, with Google, you're you're mainly keyword targeting, and, and I know there's all kinds of nuances. You know, you may want to kill your ad sets on Facebook kind of quickly if you're not seeing the performance. You know, with, with Google Shopping as an example, you know, if I've got one of my core products, 
in my feed, I'm, I'm not going to kill it. Like I want that, I want that product to show, and it's all keyword based, and so it's just going to keep showing. So it, it depends. Like if 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 we, so we've done this with several campaigns that have been running for a long Especially period if the of time. Volume isn't super high because if it's if it's search, the volume is going to be like with Facebook. You're you're talking basically display advertising versus search. Yes, it's a big. It's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it's, you're never going to just run away with spend on on Google Shopping as an example or search ads per se because it is keyword based. Like you're limited by the number of people that are making that that search query. And so, you know, if it's something that's been running for a while, we don't see that much fluctuation. Like usually, sometimes the machine will learn in, in seven days and then it's it's outperforming, you know, what was there before. The thing, the thing we see the most, and this is what's so interesting, is that usually the target return on ad spend can get you more volume at the same return on ad spend. So, or same or better in some cases. Um, so it's just like Google's leveraging that data that only they have you know, to make right. bid adjustments that you'll never be able to make. And so they're, they're it makes they're, it easier too. It makes it does make it easier. Yeah. Then you can move on to something else. And so yeah. essentially a lot, a lot of agencies really like I went to a presentation last year, at internet retailer, uh, and I kind of chuckled because the, the agency was like, no smart bidding is bad. Like whenever we uh, transitioned to manual, everything got better. And I think agencies are afraid of it, but my perspective is move, move on to the next thing, like fix the feed, fix the ad, work on strategy. Like give, give a piece of bidding to Google. It's not necessarily the bidding. Oh, since a lot of, right, exactly. I mean, that's one yes. factor out of, out of, yeah. you know, many here, especially. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting as, as most people are listening to the podcast here. I mean, we did do an episode, episode 144 on, you know, bidding uh, manual versus automated and what we learned in New York city and the Facebook headquarters there. And I still think to this day, so definitely uh, refer back to that episode, episode 144. But I think to this day, Facebook is still trying to catch up with Google when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I still think that that engine that has been created and that platform that's been created, Facebook's still learning. Although the Facebook algorithm is super smart and it optimizes, especially when you're optimizing for conversions or whatever your objective is. But when it comes to all the things that you're talking about here, it's like it's a step above. It's like they just had this huge head start. And now we just recently found out that, you know, number two of, of what you had discussed here, the landing page experience is actually a factor, whether or not your ads are actually shown on Facebook, but it's a negative signal as opposed to a positive signal. And it's reflected probably in the relevant score. And for a Google ad, it's a quality score. So I just think that Facebook is still taking its lead from Google in a lot right, of ways. Right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. And, and I think what's interesting, though, is I think, and this is what I love about competition. I think they're both pushing each other, you know. And this is something uh, we we have uh, two uh, Google reps. They're phenomenal. They they fly out to see us once a quarter. Or we or we go there and see them. And so one of the things, you know, there's been a few times that we've met where you know the topic of conversation is okay. You've got clients on on Facebook and they're doing this kind of targeting. Here's how you can do that same kind of targeting on YouTube. You know, so it's like I think they're, they're both pushing each other, right? Like so so Facebook's taking some cues from Google. And, and like then Google's audiences. looking at yeah how can yes yeah, so exactly right. similar audiences I I don't I think Facebook was probably first with that yeah yeah that's cool totally and, and but it all comes down to the core principle which we preach over and over again on the show is especially as the client if you're, whether you're looking to hire an agency like you Brett which we can talk about how how I'm I am curious on how your agency works or you're or you're running this stuff yourself the the biggest factor like that will determine your success or failure is that creative and it's the creative on your landing page your offer. And it's the creative that is the ad that they see or the video that they see. And if you can get that right and continue to tweak 
and polish and redo and, and don't just run a video and say, oh, video ads don't work. YouTube ads don't work. No, your video didn't work. Your creative didn't work. It wasn't that the platform didn't work or the bidding was wrong. Like it's the creative, especially when you have things like like this smart, smart bidding. It's pretty cool. So I'm sure you can attest to that. Yeah, absolutely. And then this is why, you know, I, I get really excited when we work with great brands. And so, you know, we'll work with um, some people that are just resellers of other products or drop shippers. And that, that's fine too. Like that model can work. I think long term, there's some some uh, question marks around, you know, drop shipping and the, the viability of that as a standalone. But good brands. Without building the brand around it. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't either. And so, but good brands where, you know, you've got a unique story and a unique product and you've got a reason to exist. I get excited because you're, you're 100% right. If that if that landing page is good, if the the copy is good, the experience is good, then your ads will work. Then then you take then you take some you know smart campaign structure and, and smart bidding and just kind of build this whole thing and you you know use the four pillars and you got you know your rock star Facebook ads like you can, you can blow up a business you can scale a business with good marketing if the branding is there and if the product is where it should be but exactly and in the branding if you're if you're running YouTube ads or you're running Facebook ads maybe some longer copy or video and then you're, let's say you're you're adding in the uh, bottom of funnel stuff that we talked about today but i think that if you can create these creatives that will affect people in a in a in a way that is positive right Make, you're having that massive brand impact the entire way you're not just focusing 100% on conversions because people are not going to take action that first time and so if you can make a positive impact or have a lot of a repetition. So when they are out and about and something happens, they're walking down the street and they, they trip and tweak their back and they're like, oh crap, I saw that cool video, right? And then, and then they go to Google and search for you know back pain relief or something like that. Or they're walking by and somebody looks at them weird and they're thinking, oh crap, maybe I'm, maybe I put on a little, you know, extra, a few extra pounds that I need to, to work off. So they go to Google and they grab their phone and they search. And so if your messages and your messaging and your creative, not only get in people's mind, but they also make that just subconscious impact to, uh, to make them think of you when, when something does happen. And I think in the past it was, it was almost too expensive to rely on that. So, so to say, I'm going to target someone, you know, early in the game, or, or if you want to use the funnel language, I'm going to target someone at the top of the funnel and then I'm going to keep following up with them until they convert at the bottom of the funnel. It's too hard to do that. Like we couldn't connect the dots. We didn't have the targeting. We didn't have the, the technology to do that. And so you would just focus on bottom of funnel. Well, now, you know, I still recommend you start at the bottom of the funnel. You, you've got to build that foundation. But once that's there, now you can go higher in the funnel. And now, you know, with good Facebook targeting, you can reach someone who is at the very top of the funnel and then layer in your other campaigns to, to capture them, uh, you know, as they get closer to buying. So if you're an e obviously e-commerce is what you guys focus on with OMG, the agency. But if I'm a Facebook advertiser, I'm a listener to this podcast. I mean, out of all the things that we just mentioned there, what would you tend to focus on to really pick up the most money on the table or money left on the table? I mean, obviously retargeting, we always sort of talk about that. We referred to shopping a couple of times in a few different episodes, but if you were to do one thing from this episode, what would, and you're running a significant spend, maybe not, you know, millions of dollars a month, but maybe tens of thousands a month, or maybe you're just starting, what would be the next step inside the Google platform that would be the next logical step for you as an advertiser, whether it's e-commerce or any other type of advertiser for that matter? Yeah. So if, if I had to narrow it down to one, uh, that, that's tough. That's tough because I'd kind of want to do all, all four pillars. But if I had to do just one, um, I would think about 
you know, what's the nature of my business? So if it's a physical product, how is that product best sold? Is it through video? Do I have videos that are working well on Facebook? Or if it's a service or I'm a personality or I'm selling a book or something, do I have good video content? Because if so, then, you know, the first step I always recommend is remarketing, right? So if you're going to move into any new platform, if you're going to move into Google at all, then you want to you want to run remarketing first. And so I, I would then make my determination there on, on how strong are my video assets. Because if I got strong video assets, I'd run YouTube remarketing. That'd be my first thing to do uh, to kind of experiment. That's, that's awesome. So progressively getting geekier and um, yeah, I like, uh, I like the actually, sounds of that. You're talking my language, man. <laughs> progressively getting geekier. There's a ton of buzz right now. At least I've heard it about scripts on Google. What exactly are they? And can you tell the listeners like how they can actually use them, or should they stay the hell away from them and leave that to professionals like yourself? Yeah, so that's a good one. So scripts are pretty complex, pretty nerdy. Um, <laughs> if you're going to use a script, then I would recommend a tool like Optimizer, and that's a funky spelling of Optimizer, um, but made by a friend of mine, uh, Frederick Valles, who's on the original quality score team at Google. So Optimizer will basically, you, they've got a builder where you can say, hey, I want the script to do this, and it'll spit out that script for you. Uh, I would not, this is not like the first thing you should do, uh, or maybe even like the 100th thing you should do, but it's super cool. So basically what a script does is it's code you put into AdWords that says, hey, you know, AdWords, when this happens, cause this to happen. You know, so, so a really simple one, and we've seen this before, uh, is just creating alerts. So, and then actually there's other ways to create alerts too, but just as an example, you know, hey, this product that was one of my top sellers suddenly went to zero impressions. So give me an alert. And so this is where you want to be notified if, hey, this is my top selling widget, and now it's all of a sudden gone to zero impressions you know, alert me. So create a script that shoots me an email saying, whoa, red flag, you know, uh, the widget A has got, gone to zero impressions. It was your top seller. And so so that's uh, an easy thing to do. You can also create scripts around, you know, other optimizations you would want to make. So I think scripts are super cool. I think they're definitely more like super duper advanced, but they can be anywhere on, this, on the simpler uh, scale of things, just getting alerts sent to you. Or it can be, you know, make this optimization, make this change if this happens in the account. So, yeah, lots of stuff you can do. Uh, only limited by your creativity and a couple of other limitations, but scripts are pretty powerful. Gotcha. So how does that stuff, like there's obviously there's automated rules in Google as well. Like where, like, do you guys use automated rules? Where does that sort of begin and end with relation to scripts? Tell us a little bit about that end of the equation. Yeah. So, you know, it's different. I think every, every person that manages AdWords campaigns is a little bit different. And so I'm at the point now where I'm kind of managing the team and, and I, I still get into to Google shopping and YouTube a decent amount, but I'm not doing all the, the technical aspects. I still have some people, like a couple of my uh, specialists who've been managing in AdWords for 10 plus years, they still love to do a lot of stuff in the platform. So I'm like having to to really push them and say, okay, guys, we got to use some more, uh, got to use some more tools. They, they do phenomenal. I mean, they do phenomenal work. They're, they're master craftsmen, but some of them still like to work in the platform. And so I think if you look at, at bidding, you, you can use different software. So if you're not using smart bidding as an example, you can use different software where you can say, hey, after something gets X number of clicks, 
and it's spent you know y amount and it's you know below my return ad spend bid down on it or you, or you can bid up on it uh if it's if the opposite is true and so you know really the the key in all of this is just saying how do i make the best changes to improve performance so getting getting more targeted with who i'm trying to reach and, and really there, there are kind of two main goals you've got with adwords in my opinion and that's finding new opportunities and eliminating waste so it's kind of like this these two forces pulling from opposite directions. Like I'm always looking for new things. So that means I've got to experiment and, and search a little bit, but then I'm also cutting waste and making sure that I'm not overspending. And so that's where you can even, you know, create rules around or processes around keywords where you can say, Hey, you know, once keyword has gotten X number of clicks and spent this much money and doesn't have any conversions or any sales, then let's do this. And so there's a couple of, couple of really cool tools. I like optimizer a lot. I mentioned that. Uh, there's also a great tool called uh, PPC Samurai. And so if you're at Traffic and Conversion Summit, you may have met uh, the folks from PPC Sam, uh, Sean Bond and, and crew. That's a cool tool that you can use uh, as well for some automation and kind of you can build out these workflows within AdWords. And so I guess a couple of things that I've mentioned is just AdWords is kind of a beast, right? It's just a, it's a monster. And, you know, we've got some clients that have hundreds of campaigns and you know, multiply each campaign by a lot of ad groups. You know, so you got, you got tons of stuff going on. So, so being able to make sense of all that and and properly manage it can can be tricky. And so, so then it's around you know just figuring out what what are we trying to accomplish and what either what script is going to do that the best or what tool is going to do that the best or maybe there's a couple of things I just have to do manually. And so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep doing that. And so that's kind of a uh, potentially a long-winded answer, but but uh, there you go. Cool. Well, for the uh, for the nerds that are listening, they'll they'll be enjoying that. <laughs> okay, good. good. Uh, what would okay. you suggest somebody just starting out though? Like, let's starting out, but like, let's say they have a legitimate business. Let's say they're doing a half a million to two million a year in sales, and they're they've got somebody on their team that's a oh, Facebook ads whiz, and they want to start running some AdWords, some Google, some YouTube, and some shopping and, and some display retargeting. Would you suggest that they use some software like that initially, or would you say, "Hey, just you know, get in there and, and run it manually so you get used to the platform, and then you know probably switch over to the ROI, the smart bidding"? Or would you say, "Hey, I would get this piece of software too. This might actually make things easier for you once you're ready to." You know, I'm sure a lot of people might be kind of wondering like, that yeah, one question. I, I really, th- I think you should start in the platform personally, and you know, if you're if you're building kind of that bottom of funnel first, then that is a little simpler. And I actually wasn't planning on doing this, but I did create a course uh, with Ezra, uh, Smart Google Traffic, where we kind of talk about building the bottom of funnel, and then we go beyond it too. But but that, so that I mean that that's a tool that that's pretty or a resource is pretty powerful. But I would suggest starting in the platform and building that out and getting used to it and managing it a little bit and and even looking at at Google's free resources right Google's got a ton of free resources on how to build search and shopping and you know remarketing and, and all of those things uh, and then I would look at a tool so if you're if you're kind of not an expert so the tools I mentioned optimizer PPC samurai a little more advanced like that's that's if someone's really one to nerd out and has a pretty good understanding of the platform you know uh, things like word uh, wordstream Maybe a little better for the beginner, but but still, I think you need to kind of get in there and get your hands dirty a little bit, get used to the platform, and then go from there. I would only transition to a tool if you feel like you can't keep up. 
But I think a couple of the features that, that, that good tools will do for you, and both WordStream will do this and Optimizer. I think Optimizer is actually much better at it uh, than WordStream. But running a search query report, right, where you can look at, hey, here are all the actual search queries that people typed in that resulted in a click on my ad, and how did they perform? And so giving the tool some rules to follow to say, hey, if if any keyword or, you know meets this criteria, alert me because then I want to I want to tweak that. So tools to help you find negative keywords where you say hey, I don't want to bid on this anymore, or to find keywords like hey I want to add this keyword to my campaigns. Uh, tools can be really good at that. But WordStream and Optimizer, and then uh, but Optimizer you like better over Word. Optimizer Wordstream's- better for the keyword. Yeah, for the keyword tool, I think it's I think it's better, and it's better for for more advanced people. But yeah, looking at the search query report and kind of analyzing keywords, and uh, I think I think tools can be really helpful at that. But you can do that manually in the in the yep. uh, AdWords interface as well. How's it work with you guys? Do you guys pay like do people pay you a fee? Do they pay you a percentage? Do you, how's that work if someone were to hire you? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So we're we're a full service agency on on the Google side, full funnel. So we you know we come in and help you build the four pillars of the the bottom of funnel, and then and then build up from there. So you know, adding in the mid and, and top of funnel campaigns, you know, f- so from search to shopping to, to display to YouTube. And so we, we charge a, either a flat fee or a percentage of ad spend. So pretty, pretty common. That's the way most agencies do it. Uh, we're pretty competitively priced. So, you know, we're, most of our team is based in the Midwest. We got fairly low overhead. So I think we're pretty competitively priced. But uh, yeah, it's either a, either a flat fee or a percentage of spend, whichever is greater. But that is like a decreasing scale. So if you're you know spending several hundred thousand a month, it's a pretty low percentage that that we're we're charging there. But yeah, that's that's the way that works. We don't believe in long term contracts. We we are comfortable earning our keep uh, kind of month in and month out. So that's kind of the way we operate there. But uh, yeah, full full service. So we we work on the strategy side, the ad copy side, the feed, the bidding, you know, campaign structure, uh, all of that. Love it, love it, and just Google OMG Commerce. OMG correct? Commerce, baby, that's right. Yeah, right there. All right, so that's uh, that's omgcommerce.com is uh, is Brett's website. So definitely go check that out. And this has been, dude, this has been amazing. Is there anything else? I mean, is there any any anything you want to how how to get a hold of you besides your website? Um, is there anything else you want to add? So uh, OMG Commerce is the best place. Like I'd give my email address, but I'm bad at missing those. So let's go to the site <laughs> and, and and connect there. Also on Facebook, like I love to connect with people on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter to a much lesser degree. But but yeah, I would love love I love the community. I love talking business and e-commerce and marketing. So yeah, let's, let's connect on the interwebs. I would love to do that. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. And check out e-commerce evolution podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Check out the, check out the podcast. I think you'll dig it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Good stuff. All right. Well, Brett, thanks for coming on. Awesome stuff. And uh, hit the show notes. This is uh, the show notes are going to be at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 147. Until next week, we love you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks, guys. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Grant, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. 
Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply, that's tier11.com forward slash apply, and we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.